Yes, it's true. It's episode number 77 of the Divorce Resource Guy podcast. And today we are talking again about forming your divorce team so you can get through it the right way. Welcome to the Divorce Resource Guy podcast with Jason Lavoie, a.k.a. the Divorce Resource Guy, a former divorce attorney turned divorce coach, talking about all things divorce, including the good, bad, and the ugly from an attorney's point of view. Remember, you're not alone. And now your host, Jason Lavoy. Okay, welcome everybody to another another episode of the Divorce Resource Guy podcast. I am your host, Jason Lavoy, with you this week for an episode where we're going to continue the conversation about the importance of forming your divorce team and the types of people that you can have on it. Now, We've talked about this. You've probably heard me on my other podcast episodes. If you haven't, check them out. Subscribe so you get free new episodes when they come out. But you've heard me talk about, you know, your attorney, of course, right? That's the most obvious one, having an attorney, the right attorney. The wrong one, big problem, but that's not for this show. So an attorney, a therapist, a coach, um, possibly a forensic accountant if you own your own business, and many others that you may or may not need. But An expert that sometimes gets overlooked is somebody who knows how to deal with custody battles, right? Very ugly, very sticky situations. Well, that's who I have for you today, Renee Rodriguez. Now, she is somebody who has been through her own forensic evaluation in her own custody battle. And she has used her years of expertise and quick understanding and assessment to create a very organized binder Uh, She has categorized templates providing the documentation which has helped uh, custody evaluators get a clear picture of what it really means to co-parent and the the tenor of the parenting relationship that you may be in. And these templates that Renee uses has become widely requested and used by other people going through their own custody evaluations and disputes. And so she works with people, and she can be a member of your divorce team, and we're going to talk with Renee right now about exactly how that all works in the context of a divorce. Renee, welcome to the show. I'm excited to have you. Thanks for having me. So um, the first thing I do with all my guests, and you will be no different, is I will going to ask you to kind of give me a little bit of your backstory, you know, what you do, like how you got to this point in your life. Um, and, and then we'll, we'll take it right from there. So go for it. Who is Renee Rodriguez? Who is Renee Rodriguez? There's so many things. Um, yeah. So I guess when I think about what my relevant background is, I can just jump right into the story that led me to, um, how, how I got into the profession that I'm in now. Um, I was someone who had, uh, met a great guy, um, you know, girl meets boy. And then, you know, we had a baby together. Um, and throughout things started to get a little more controlling. Um, you know, there were weird, quirky things that were, that was going on. And I didn't realize that I was starting to be controlled, that I was starting to lose my strength. Um, I'm someone who's always, um, led departments, running theater companies, that type of thing on, served on many board of directors. And it all really came crashing down around me um, because the person who I was with was slowly breaking me down. And one day I was talking to a good friend um, who had heard a million different stories from me as I tried to figure out 
how to handle the conflict in our relationship. Right. And she said, you know, I, I have to pause here and I have to say something to you, Renee. I think you're being mentally abused. And my response was, what, what do you mean? What is that? And really? Said, you you yeah. had never heard of that before? No, no. That's interesting and not uncommon. Yeah. So I was kind of like, I, I, I don't know what you're talking about. And she was saying, well, there's this controlling thing. He gets mad if you breathe. You know, he's blaming you for things that make no sense. Some of the stories you're telling me, like the one where he's, you know, saying you're not going to be a good mother when you do have the baby because um, you believe that if the child breaks a bone that you should take it to the doctor and he believes that he can set the bone himself. Not a doctor, by the way. Was um, he a doctor? <laughs> you know, so there, there's just things that, sound insane to say that when you share them with anybody who's not a friend um, and you've got, you know, the, your partner denying that they ever said it, then of course you're going to believe that nobody could ever say some of the things that were being said to me. Um, and I was constantly being punished. I was walking on eggshells all the time. All right. all the, I never knew what was going to uh, cause anger. So I had started seeing a therapist um, a little a little while after I became pregnant because that's when really things began to kick in, which I later found out is is one of the times when um, emotional psychological abuse does start to kick in. Right after you get married, right after you have a child, right, right after you commit in some very big way where you you would be stuck, it would be hard for you to escape. Then the mask well, will come off. Right, they right? got you. Um... Right. And now, not to not to get off on a tangent here, but was that pregnancy planned? Um, I mean, did he want a child? It was. Uh, so the answer to that is yes and no. So it, we had talked about having children. We had tried to have a child previously, but then as soon as we had this one, he immediately pressured me to have an abortion. Um, and I said, you know what, I. I no, I, that's not what I want. I would never be able to live with myself. That's, right. that's not what I want here, right? This is a child. I don't want this um, for me personally. It doesn't matter how I feel politically. For me personally, right. this is how I feel in this moment. And so he did what um, abusive uh, people do a lot, which is he uh, did uh, the silent treatment, which sounds like something where they're just not talking to you. But um, you know, mentally ill, emotionally abusive people take it to a whole different level. Right. What they're doing is they won't look at you. They won't talk to you and they'll start, um, you know, doing these sacrificial things that um, they're insinuating are your fault. For example, he spent four nights sleeping on the cold floor in the living room, refusing to share our bed. Um, and refusing to like use anything to sleep on. Um, and that was my fault because I wouldn't have an abortion and he was going to do that until I would. Um, wow. That's, uh, that's a new one. You know, usually I, I've heard of him, uh, you know, the abuser will, will say it could be a man or a woman, but in this case we'll, we'll go with, because it was your, it was him, you know, forcing you <laughs> to, to sleep on the floor and he gets the bed, you know, that I've heard as a controlling thing. Um, but him, him, you know, like sacrificing himself like a martyr to sleep on the floor. It's like going on a hunger strike or something that that's right. You know. That's exactly right. And it <laughs> depends, you know, when you've got someone who's either overt or covertly abusive. Right. Right. And he was very covertly and in public, you, you couldn't pry the baby out of his arms. Oh, Prince Charming. Right. Uh, he was amazing. He was just the ideal father. And sure, he, yeah, yeah. 
infectious laugh, a soft voice, sparkling eyes, everything that you'd be attracted to. Yeah, right? two-faced, right. I know. Yeah. As soon as the door closed, it was just a completely different world. The tone of voice would change instantly. Um, the relationship, uh, the fakeness would just drop. There would be nothing connecting us anymore. It was absolutely psychotic, but in the true sense of the word, right. not in the pop sense of the word, right? Yeah. So I was experiencing the psychotic behavior. So as I said, I started seeing a therapist. And after my friend talked about mental abuse, I was um, on the phone with my therapist. Oh, I remember this phone call where I said, hey, listen, my friend said this. Do you think I'm being mentally abused? And her response was, yes. And I was like, oh, my God, it's been like almost a year. Why haven't you, right. why haven't you said this to me? She said, because you can't hear it. You can't accept it. Um, so what we were doing was we were working on you using your voice to lead you to a point where you could accept it. You started using your voice with him. He started punishing you more. You complained about his punishment and were bewildered and couldn't find a way back in to make him happy again, which finally forced your friend to say enough is enough. Do you know that you're being mentally abused? So you have to go on a journey because if you tell someone they're being abused, you know, mentally, it's like, well, no, not me. That's not, that's not, I'm not the kind of person who would even date somebody like this. Right. I right. would never allow that. Right. Right. And I didn't. Nobody does. Nobody dates somebody who's treating them that way from the start. Nobody marries somebody who's treating them that way. Nobody stays with somebody who's treating them that way until you're pretty much indoctrinated. Right. Well, yes, exactly. It's like a brainwash. It is. It's brainwashing. Um, and then it's hard to believe. And then you're not going to believe you're brainwashed because many of these types of abusers are attracted to people who are strong. And they break down that strength and they break down those walls, um, usually because there aren't strong enough boundaries. So regardless of how strong you are in the world and where you're at, you know, you could be CEO. Does that mean that you have strong boundaries? It might not. And so there's a real attraction to breaking down a strong personality. So that's what happened there. Right. So a couple of weeks later, he was mad at me because his video wouldn't upload. And it was my fault because I had asked him to research something on the Internet. Um, he held the baby in such a way that frightened me and the baby was crying and he would pay no attention to the baby because he was busy sending me murderous looks and a murderous glare. So I took the baby, walked into the other room, put the baby down and texted the same friend to say, I'm leaving tomorrow. Will you help me? And she was like, yes, I'll take, I'll call off of work right now. I'm so glad you had a friend like that. Yeah. Yeah. So the next day, as I was packing nervously after I went to work, I called the DV hotline because for me, it kind of felt like if this is really abuse. Excellent. Yes. Still doesn't make sense. Does it, could this really be? I mean, he's so sometimes he can be so nice. Right. So there's that that type of back and forth, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. And I was explaining to the DV hotline, I'm saying, listen, he's never he's never laid a hand on me. He's never pushed me. He is starting to throw things and slam things more lately. Um, which I noticed on this circle of abuse means he's progressing, but you know, again, he has never laid a hand on me, but he is saying stuff like this and that, and they started finishing my sentences. And so they were like, that's absolutely domestic violence. Oh yeah. Emotional abuse. So I said, okay, so give me language. How do I tell him I'm leaving? And they were like, based on what you're telling us, go before he gets home, just get out. 
And that frightened me even more. I was like, oh my God. So we trudged through three feet of snow, the two of us carrying bags, which were mostly stuff for my son and very little for me. And um, I stayed at her place. He was sending me threatening text messages saying, I'm throwing this heirloom of yours away. I'm throwing away this sentimental thing from your childhood. I'm burning this. All these text messages saying, you better come back and bring, you know, you better come back. I ignored you had your son with you, though. I did. Yeah, of course. He wanted his son back. He wanted me back. Mostly he talked about getting his son back. Bring me my son back, right? So fast forward. So I basically ended up talking to several lawyers in order to just get a sense of what I was dealing with here. Um, And I learned that because it was emotional abuse, really what kind of evidence did I have, right? So um, we needed to build uh, my case in a very certain way. Mm-hmm. So I, I kind of took my time about it. Um, he ended up being diagnosed with narcissistic personality disorder. Surprise. Narcissistic abuse is pretty much what I've been describing. And an awful lot of emotional abuse falls under narcissistic um, abuse. Right. And so I finally found a lawyer who said, you have to get control back of your life. And we went forward with it. And now I'm someone who my background is I've always trained and taught I've run departments, I've had staff, everything that I mentioned, right? But I was feeling really low, so I needed to find recovery. And then I found someone who focused on narcissistic recovery and I started to get myself back. Mm -hmm. And I started to realize that the analytical part of me was seeing that I had a good lawyer, but that the way the family court worked was still a bit of a mystery to me, but that I could see that there was a real danger here of them not seeing who he truly was. Remember, you don't, you don't leave the man you married. You don't leave the person you married, right? Just like I said, you wouldn't date somebody who treated you the way that right. they do the time you leave, right? right? Majority of the time, you will be the one who leaves an abusive relationship. Sometimes they will leave you for another person or an addiction. Rarely. Not as long as they got you, though. Not as long as they've got you. It's rare, but it can happen. I agree. But so... I sense that there, there was still a danger here in spite of the fact that um, clearly I was the healthier parent between the two of us, right, at that time. So I felt like I needed something else. And through research, I found out that there was someone who was a divorce coach and um, she was very well known. So I pinged her and I got on her schedule. She started working with me. Things started to change almost right away. Like we were winning every court appearance, not that we were losing it before, but the chances of us losing was like almost none. But, you know, a custody battle is a marathon, right? So you have to, you're going to lose somewhere along the way. And so we found a way between the two of us to lose strategically. So we chose the timing of when we would lose something and we chose the, um, the parameters around how we lost it, right? Now, this divorce coach, was this separate than your attorney or? Yes. Okay, so you had your attorney and your divorce coach. I was another member of your divorce team. That's what I like to call it. That's right. That's right. And they worked separately. Like, um, you know, some lawyers are all kind of like, this is great. Can you have your coach help you with this? And other um, lawyers are narcissists themselves. So even though they're serving you well, it would do you well to just be all kind of like, yes, um, I'm bringing you the stuff myself because wonderful, you asked me to. Exactly, right. Yeah. So um, we got to a point where, which happens in many custody battles, where um, we're just, we're not coming to an agreement. He's refusing everything. 
And so they assigned a custody evaluator. Right. Right. So we were going through a custody evaluation. And I know that from your podcast, you've been, you know, really teaching people about what these elements are. When I got to mine, I asked my coach, I said, listen, um, what do I do here? And she said, to be honest with you, this is not my forte. Um, this is really a very specialized area. And there are only two coaches I know of in existence who do this. One of them is, I think, about to retire because she's getting burnt out from all of the abuse stories. The other one, either way, they're both completely full. You wouldn't be able to get in for months. And I said, well, I don't have months. She said, well, look, with your background and you being a strategist and an analyst and, and just being able to see the lay of the land, put something together and let's just go through it and see what we can do. So I did exactly that. I came back to her and I said, Tina, this is what I've got. And she said, Renee, I've never seen anything like this. I've never seen it laid out this clearly. I've never seen it this persuasively laid out. And it's all completely backed up by evidence. None of it is embellishing. None of it. It's all just quite right. simply laying it out there. Right. And, you know, even the, the two coaches I was going to send you to, she goes, listen, I think you need to be a coach in this area. Now it's like, slow your roll. <laughs> just trying to get through this. <laughs> right. I'm just trying to get through this. But, you know, that's what leads me to, so about a year and a half later, I want my case. I got everything that I was asking for, um, thanks to this, basically this blueprint that I created from start to finish for my case. Um, and so a lot of people who are in my recovery group were saying, do you mind if I have a look at that? Do you mind if I have a go at that? And so I was sending it out left and right. And then a friend said, listen, this is, this is like, I'd show this to my lawyer and it blew his mind. And I kept hearing it's blowing my lawyer's mind, it's blowing my lawyer's mind. And it's changing the way that they're even presenting my case. Wow. We're winning now. And so my one friend said, you, you have to just, I know you like what you're doing. This is what you're meant to be doing. You're meant to be helping people from in these situations with this particular type of co-parent. What were you doing at the time? So I was running a theater. I was doing two things because I'm a Gemini. That's that is how I roll. <laughs> um, so I was running a theater company half okay. the time. And the other half of the time, I was a deputy partner to a, a global CEO running um, a very high level department in a in a very big company. Um, and I was basically his partner, strategic partner for that. Right. OK, so um, very impressive. It sounds impressive, right? It's also stressful. And plus, you know, then once I was a single mom, it was kind of like, well, I can't do full-time this and full-time this yeah. because now I have full-time child right. and then I want to make money. And she was kind of like, well, I don't see why you you can't, you should be selling. Lawyers are charging, you. I mean, they're charging stuff that this is way more valuable than what people are paying for their lawyers even. Um, so you just bringing in this little something for them to augment what they're doing with their lawyer is huge. And that's how I made the shift. Um, so I was for about, about that year and a half passing things out and started just coaching people. Um, and then after that, I started, I turned it into a business and have been growing it ever since. Um, I help both men and women. Statistically, more of the time, it is a woman who is sure. abused and a man who is a narcissist. Um, and statistically, more of the time, um, parents settle what they need to do without ever approaching courts because they're amicable. I mean, we, we, we talk about how the courts are backed up and you know, there's no room to really get everyone in and everything's so short, but the truth is that 91, 92% of these cases are settled. There's, they're never even brought to the court's attention. So it's really only about five to 8% 
depending on the research that you do of couples who are fighting, who actually end up in court. So when you think about the fact that the courts are overwhelmed, it's a very tiny fraction of separating couples who are even in the courts. But right? that's, just, that's how many people, that's just how many cases there are. Um, yeah, that's right. The, the courts are overwhelmed. I know that. Um, that's right. But, and right, and so it's a small fraction, which I agree with too, but like, that's what, like, can you, like, we're talking a, a lot of cases. That's right. And the reason that they reach court is because there is at least one high conflict individual, one high conflict parent. All you need is one. All you need is one. Unfortunately, the court um, often sees it as both the parents being the problem. And so what I work with clients on is not just the blueprint that I've created, but coaching them side by side to make sure that the court sees uh, the true story in a way that where they can't look away and they can't ignore the evidence because we present it in a very, very particular way. I have clients who come to me and say, I don't know why I lost Renee. I had evidence. He was abusive. He was an addict. He was this, he was that. He was arrested. He ran a meth lab practically. I mean, they're really coming up with stuff. And yet he still got this much time with our children unsupervised. Um, you know, and then I asked them, well, did you have any evidence? And they were like, I plunked down all this evidence in front of everybody. And I said, and that's, that's where that's where things went wrong because you're bringing in all this evidence and you're throwing it at them and you're saying, here, here's who he is. Digest it all. Look at it. Right, yeah, right, right, right. They, they look at the first page, they listen to hearsay because you're not presenting it in quite the right way. And so that's the work that I do as a custody coach now. So my company, Best Foot Forward, basically works with parents who are in a custody battle against a narcissistic or high conflict abusive co-parent to get the custody arrangement that's best for their kids. Right. Yeah. I, I think that's a great service and, um, you know, so needed um, because going through a custody battle is, is such a long and expensive process um, going through the court and, and then, it's just, it just stinks. It just stinks for everybody involved and, and the children too. And so when you work with people, are, are, are they, well, I guess, let me put it this way. I would imagine your ideal client, like when I talk about my ideal client is somebody who finds me and starts working with me before anything is even filed in the courts. And they're just thinking about getting divorced, you know, in their mind, emotionally, they're ready to get divorced, but nothing's happened yet. And I could help them prepare. That's my ideal client for you. Yeah. I'm imagining somebody who perhaps a divorce has begun and that's fine, but there is a custody issue um, that is either started or going to, you know, it's foreseeable to, to be an issue in the divorce and you would start working with them at that beginning point to kind of formulate a, a strategy and move forward. Is it, would that, is that sound right? Or like, do you work with people mainly who are in the middle of the divorce? Maybe something bad has happened um, in the custody department. You know, they got a bad ruling or, you know, bad evaluation. And now you're trying to kind of clean it up and, you know, get the, the, what's the analogy I want to use the train back on the tracks. Yeah. So we do both to speak to which one is our, my ideal client. Um, it would be someone who is at the beginning of their case. What we found is that people who talk to us at the beginning of um, their case, consider us and think we sound like a good idea, but believe that as long as you have a lawyer, you've got everything you need. Right. And so, and, and that 
makes sense, right? What do we what do we know about the courtroom? We're not learning, you know, custody battles 101 in high school or college. There are no classes offered for this because we don't ever expect to be here. So our only um, image of lawyers and court cases coincides with a law and order episode, right? This is what the courtroom looks like. This is what um, they do. Sure, that's criminal court and mine's family court, but it's all court. And then they get the shock of their lives to find out it's nothing like that. Things happen unbelievably quickly, right? Like in 10 minutes, the, the um, parenting time can, uh, schedule can change, right? If you're not prepared for a right. simple appearance, right? Um, they, and then things spiral out of control. So we do end up getting more clients once they are, um, things are starting to spiral out of control. So either they've lost their case, they're losing their case, or they see their case is slipping. They finally understand that only having a lawyer is not cutting it. And they're scared, right? So that's usually when we get them. So ideally, we'd like to have you even before you leave to say, oh, okay, before you go, based on what you're telling us, gather this evidence, because it's going to be really hard to get it later. And you need this to make your case go quickly and cheaply, as cheaply as possible. Right. right? Um, Otherwise, then the next ideal would be they've just started the case. It's kind of like, okay, you're probably about to go into mediation. Let's go over a few things. Maybe we can cut this down, right? right? But the majority of the time, we really have our work cut out for us with our clients because we're undoing a lot of what they did, believing they were doing the right thing and often following their lawyer's advice. Now, I don't want to paint lawyers badly because there's a lot of good lawyers out there. I am a lawyer. <laughs> right. Right. So, you know what? I'm not I'm not here to. No, but, no. But like anything else, there's good ones and bad ones. But like anything else, it's like I remember my brother told me once he said, you know, it doesn't matter what profession it is. It doesn't matter, matter whether it's being a waiter, being a teacher, being a lawyer, being anything. There's actually really a small percentage of any group, any profession, any anything that's truly, truly brilliant. Most are average and some of them are just awful. Right. So you don't know that you've got a brilliant lawyer. But what we do know is that the vast majority of lawyers are not trained in narcissistic personality disorder. Right. And over and over again, just today, I heard a client say the same thing, where it was like, I had this, she was amazing. We had a plan of place, I thought. We got in the courtroom. I told her, I said, listen, they're going to pull something like this out of the other thing. She said, don't worry, I got it. And then next thing you know, they stood up, pulled something in court, and she looked shell-shocked and dumbfounded, and we were done, and I lost. Because there's just no way to prepare for it, it seems, except a piece of our blueprint is specifically for you to partner with your lawyer. So when we come in, we don't say, eh, your lawyer, listen to us. We say, we're not a lawyer, and we're not your therapist. We are here to augment your lawyer. So if your lawyer is coming to you saying, man, I, you know what? listen, Maria, I need this from you. Then you come to us and we say, okay, here's what he is asking you for from right. our past experience. So can I, yeah, can, I, can I just interrupt you? I apologize for interrupting you. But like when you say something that is just totally in line with like what I do as a coach and, 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 and my whole blueprint, you know, if you will, I just, I, I have to call it out in a good way because it makes me feel so good to hear other professionals doing this and and you know validating what i think is the right thing to do and and that's for everybody listening to this you know if you follow me for any period of time and you hear me say this you know almost i feel like at nauseum but you got to like banging into people's heads heads you know right an attorney 
is one of the bedrock people you should have on your divorce team. Agreed. For, for obvious reasons, right? You, you, that's the first person you think of. I need a lawyer. And most of the time, yes, you do need a lawyer, right? But that's not the end all be all. And, and having other people on your divorce team, like a coach, like a therapist, like I, I call that, um, it's, I call it the, I refer to that as a trifecta of awesomeness. Yes. And, um, but, and there could be more people, you know, that you may need, but like, those are the three bedrocks that most people should have ideally. And, and everybody does a different, has a different role, right? You as a coach, you have a different hat. I have, I, even though I'm an attorney, when I'm a divorce coach, I wear my divorce coach hat and that's a little hat, but I always, right. I work in, we work in concert with uh, the other people, the other, like, if you have an attorney, you work in concert with them, even if you're not in directly communication with them, right? Like I would always, if your attorney says something legally, I defer to that. Now I may give you my two cents as an attorney. Um, and then we'll help strategize, you know, about what he's saying and what that means, or she's saying and that, that you know, but like, I guess my point is, I just wanted to echo what you were, what you just said there, as far as Everybody has different roles, but there are so they all are so important and and really complete the picture uh, as far as what you need to, to get through that process as efficiently um, and with little as little stress as possible. Yeah, I like the way you said that. And I would go so far as to say you'll be doing yourself a disservice if you only depend on one team member when you should have a therapist and it would benefit you amazingly to have a coach. Um, my coach, Tina, changed the whole trajectory of my case. And all of our clients have said the same thing, where it's like, wow, where I was before versus just the first two weeks of working with you, this case is back on track, right? right. But I'm also going in more confident. My anxiety is less. I'm sleeping. I'm present when I'm parenting my children, when I have my parenting time with them. I'm actually focused on them instead of wheels turning. And I'm prepared, right? So I want to say, you know, this kind of feels like it segues into what the pillars are of the blueprint of the way that we work. Yes, tell me the pillars, yes. So there's three pillars to it that seem obvious, right? But then, you know, they may not feel obvious. So I want to put them out there. Um, It's strategy, it's evidence, and it's mindset. All right. So the strategy is something that you really need to be forming either with your coach or with your lawyer or really all three of you together. But It's amazing how often clients come and say, I have no idea what the strategy is. So it's kind of like, go back to your lawyer and find out. And they will come back. Some of them will say, this is it. Others will say, my lawyer does not have a strategy. Okay, don't panic. That's a red flag. (laughs) Right? It's a red flag. But like I said, it's we. one of the things we say is that you need your lawyer. If you want to go pro se or pro per, we are there to help you, support you and, you know, get a consulting lawyer or don't, but here are things that will still be useful to you, Right. Everyone needs to make their, to choose their own path. And we understand we support it, Yep. but we do recommend having a lawyer. And if you're going to have a lawyer, there are a couple of things we say. First off, we do want to save you money. We want to shorten the meetings and make them more efficient. We want to have you stop forwarding all of these um, really difficult to read emails to your lawyer, who is also not your therapist, right? We do it in the name of, you know, oh, well, he needs to know this. She needs to know this. But the truth is there's a better way to present this to your lawyer to help them strategize around everything they're getting rather than overwhelming with them. I can attest to that. Right. As a lawyer. Rather spend the money in a strategy session with them than having them read all of these awful, wretched emails that you're being sent. Not not only are they going to bill you for reading all this stuff, but 
it's still not going to make sense. Uh, and, and you'll still have to have that strategy session anyway. So you're getting like double, you're paying double for what you could do wow. in one, right? Yeah. So while we're not trying to take um, money away from lawyers, our goal is to help our client. And our, we want to help you save money because the trial, if you get that far, which we hope you don't, is going to cost you a lot of money as well. Right. So we help you build your strategy based on everything you're sharing with us and everything and the way that your lawyer works and what your jurisdiction is like. And as a as a lawyer, I could tell you, even though I don't practice, I don't represent people in their divorces anymore. But when I did, I could for me personally, I welcome I would welcome that kind of help from a third party, like a coach like yourself, because the lawyers, they don't want to do all that, that 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 work. They, they want like it presented ideally, you know, presented to them in a coherent, you know, concise manner. And then as a lawyer, we can tell you what, how we can, what we can do with that um, right. information. But I, I, right. I don't want to go through 20 pages of text messages to try to figure out the context and, and what happened and who, no, no, no. You know, the, I hated that part. And some lawyers and most lawyers I know also would ha hate doing that. Uh, but they do it because, you know, if the client sends them the stuff, they got, they got to go through it. But like you said, it's so much better when it's prepared ahead of time. But people don't know how to do that themselves. And that's why they need no, people like you. you don't. And so that's where you come in, because the second pillar is evidence. And so the blueprint has a lot of templates and tools. We start with the tools, which are basically worksheets. And we sit there and we say, tell us, show us everything you've got Forward the all of the motions and the latest decree or agreement or court order, whatever it may be. Um, let us take a look at what we've got. And a lot of people are always like, well, if you're working with everyone and, you know, people in Canada and the U.S. and all across, how is it that my case, honestly, family court just has so much consistency across the board that we can easily work with people all over the place and we're still getting the results because family court just operates in pretty much the same way throughout, right? So it's exactly what you said, present your evidence in a certain way. And so when you're forwarding these emails and these text messages, your thinking behind it is not wrong. You want to clue your lawyer into, could this be used for strategy? Is this relevant as evidence? But that's where we come in and we say, stop spending money on your lawyer for this. Stop plaguing them with this and let's present it as evidence so that instead of them seeing all these things, you're going to present them with, look, the issue is he's an alcoholic. Here's 20 pieces of evidence. And we're going to say, all right, honestly, only 15 pieces of this evidence. You're going to have to throw those five pieces away these 15 are relevant. Now give this to your lawyer. Right. You and don't need all hundred text messages. You do you just, not. You just need a few good ones to get the point across. You really don't. So we whittle it down as low as we, I always try to say, bring in three to five things to your lawyer. But if you've got 15 instances of, um, you know, alcoholism, your lawyer's going to pick three to five of those. Right. That he likes. Right. And the judge would only want to see three to five. The judge. That's right. That's it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. They only want to see three to five pieces. Right. And so we help you organize that and we make it compelling because you're utterly convinced that this incident that happened is what your case is going to pivot on. And then we are going to take a look at it and say, almost, but can you actually bring me this, this or that? Any chance that this happened? And then they're like, yeah, they bring it and we look at what's most compelling. Sometimes it's as simple as the way you responded. And then we're all kind of like, let's just push that off to the side because in these three, you responded without anger, right? Or you respond. So there's a lot of different things we're looking at. It's not as simple as saying, this really shows my point. It's like, okay, what all does it show though beyond your point? Because we need to look at every nuance 
of all of your evidence to figure out what you actually want to bring in and then combine things so that what you're coming in with is something that's amazing. While you're admitting there might be mea culpas here and there, we want to include mea culpas saying, you know, here's this, I responded badly, but this is still proof of this. Because if you send the in something that's just completely all your just, you know, smelling daisies and roses, then it's not the best thing, right? Right. And and, and if I could jump in there for a second, because again, I, I, I agree 100% with what you're saying, and it's so important um, how you present it. And I, I refer to it as the white gloves. You know, I always tell people, ideally, you want to, you know, picture your, your, your fancy schmancy restaurant, right? And with white linen tablecloths and servers wearing white gloves. You want to be that. If you ever have to go to court, you want to be able to put up your hands to the judge and show white gloves, no mud on me. Um, and let all the mud and the dirt be on, on them. And, you know, while that is hard, easier said than done, it's not impossible, but you got to train yourself to start acting that way. Um, because, you know, if you're going to give all the daisies and all the good stuff that shows you in a great light, if there's anything bad in there, that's going to be in their materials, right. That they submit to the court and it's better to own up to it up front rather that's than, it. you know, credibility is everything. It is. Um, and, and, and yeah. you, it, I always tell people, you know, if you judges are people and, and they have biases, just like you and me and, and they're, they're people. And if they develop a picture or an image of you, that's bad and negative. Um, it is very hard, not impossible, but hard in an uphill battle to, to get them to dismiss that image and, and rethink of you in a different way. Um, right. And what, and once they get a picture of you and they think you're the bad person or you're the liar or you're whatever, you know, then that's right. Your, your case, that's when it goes spiraling downhill because it doesn't matter what you show them. They think that of you already. Um, they do. They do. Yeah. And that credibility is what lends itself to the third pillar that we work with, which is mindset, as I mentioned, and in all, all three of these things, strategy, evidence, and mindset tie together. Yeah. But with the mindset piece, um, we're really looking at three different things. Um, we are looking at the way that you are appearing in court and at prof a court professional meetings, court meetings, mediations with the guardian ad litem, friend of the court, minors counsel, et cetera. Um, we prepare you for an evaluation, which is we, that's, we do a real deep dive into getting ready for an eval, right? And we're basically training you to appear in a way where you're always, you have to always be truthful. Always. We, we, it's gotta be honest. It's gotta be truthful. Um, always. Yeah. And you also though need to be able to be a better storyteller when you're traumatized, right? Your storytelling is like, and you wouldn't believe this and you wouldn't believe that. And it's all over the place. And so we spend a good deal of time when we're working within our blueprint to simply get you to a point where you present as well as your co-parent who remember the person you left is not the person you married. The person you married is who's showing up in court though, right. being very charming and they're looking great compared to you having dealt with the trauma and now you're fighting for your kids and you're the healthier parent. Oftentimes we find that the neuroses, that your natural, everyone has natural neuroses, but that with an empathic and healthier parent, those neuroses show up more, right? right? And so it's not a good juxtaposition. The second piece of it 
that we look at is your parenting. We are not parenting experts, but we can identify, okay, these things that you're doing aren't going to look good in court. These things are. Um, what is he doing as a parent? Um, are you doing corporal punishment? Because the courts aren't really buying into that anymore, right. right? Here are the kind of parenting methods that don't look as good anymore, even though that's, I mean, you're kind of starting to do this. It makes sense because your parents did it. It's not working now. Here are things you want to do. Don't coach your kids, et cetera. And then the last piece of the mindset thing is actually dealing with your anxiety. So we go through a lot of different practical techniques and things that you can use to make sure that when you're with the court professional, when you show up in court, when you're on the stand, that you're not falling apart, that you're not proving his or her allegations that you're mentally ill, right? Which is a very common one that narcissists pull, especially narcissistic men right, on right. women, right? That they're mentally ill postpartum, anxiety disorder, Munchausen right. by proxy. These are the mo more common things that abusive parental alienation, right? So we help you. That also falls under mindset tied in with evidence and strategy, right? Yeah. So those are the things that we basically work on when we're working with our clients. And, and those are all things, again, I, I'll, I'll wear my attorney hat for a second. Those are things that you would think commonsensically like that you know, oh, well, my attorney will do all that and cover all that with me, but not really. Um, because the reality is, again, your attorney is charging you at an hourly rate, um, most likely. And they are looking at this from a very, remember, they do this all day, every day. Uh, and so you're not their only case. And so even though it's just your life and it's personal to you, for them, it's just another case. And I don't mean that to sound so I don't mean that to sound negatively, but they're, they're looking at your case very analytically and from a legal standpoint saying, all right, you know, we got to file this motion we got to do this, we got, you know, uh, to get you from A to Z. And they are not able to spend the time to, to cover everything that Renee is going to cover with you um, for custody evaluations. And because uh, I could tell you as a divorce attorney, I, I couldn't. Even if I wanted to, I, I didn't have the time and you didn't have the money as a client to pay me to do that at my early rate. It just none of that works together. And um, but the reality is it's so vital and so important for that work to be done. Um, so that's why what you do is so great, you know, and, and, I, and I love that you have pivoted your life. Um, you know, I'm sorry you had to go through your own personal experience to get there, but you know, I think this resource is great for people because if you're open to having multiple people on your team, which again, I think you need to really be open to it and, and really makes a difference rather than just one person being an attorney, you, your level of preparedness and your level of anxiety and everything else is going to be substantially reduced um, and you will be in such a better place um, when you have to go to court, when you have to speak to a custody evaluator um, who's judging you, right? Everything you do. And, you know, and your, your, your lawyer will love you too because you're going to be a star client for them. And, and, you know, I just think it's great. That's all I want to say. I just think it's great. <laughs> oh, no, thank you. I, I agree. Like I said, I, I, can't, I can't say enough about my divorce coach who was, um, just like I said, just completely changed the way that my course, that my case was going. And it's not that I was even in trouble. It's just that 
we really sped it up and we really came in with just, you know, power packed appearances. We were ready. We were always ready. Right. I was always confident. And sometimes that alone is what helps you through your case. She also saved me bundles of money. And so that was kind of huge too, because it was beginning to add up. Well, that's the kind of benefit that people don't see at the beginning. And I, and I get it, you know, but they're like, Oh, I have a lawyer. I'm just going to pay them. And that's going to be it. You know, why do I want to pay three or four people on top of my lawyer? Well, the truth is that if you pick the right three or four people um, and while you are paying them their separate fee in the long run, usually it's cheaper, a lot cheaper than the lawyer's fee, right? Hourly rate. And I don't know how you work, but you can share with us maybe. And um, in the long run, it'll keep your legal bill down um, and it will save you money. Um, Even though you're working with multiple people, it'll save you money in the long run. Yes, that's right. Yeah. And we do work um, to sort of answer your question. We, we have the blueprint program and with that um, you work with us for um, about three months and we help you build your case so that you are a strong partner with your lawyer so that you are giving your lawyer everything. Some of the templates that these um, clients are giving to their lawyers. Their lawyers are like, oh my God, I, I, this is amazing. Now we can go in. And the court case, the court appearances were shorter and they were just getting things that they've never gotten before. Yeah. And they were covering more than they ever were before. So that's our preferred way of working with people because then we know that nothing's slipping through the cracks. But we do work with people hourly who prefer to just to have us come in and consult and look on and look at things and help them sure. with justice, that or the other thing. Um, but we cannot recommend enough that we've had astounding success with um, people who take the time to just spend the three months with us. Um, and for people who have something, we have people coming in saying, okay, I, I know this case is going to go on longer, but in two weeks, I've got negotiation. I've got another meeting with the evaluator and the last one didn't go so well. So I can't wait three months. Then we do move things around to focus on what's coming up next for you and then catch you up with the rest of it. So um, even if you've got something coming up soon um, and you like, you like, you know, basically what I've got to say, my style, we'd like to see if we'd be a good fit. Right. So, yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. I love it. Tell everybody um, we covered a lot in uh, a short amount of time. And so I want everybody to digest this. You might have to listen to this episode again, <laughs> but Renee, tell everybody where they can find you um, and learn more about you and, and the services. Sure. So you can find Best Foot Forward at uh, bestfootforwardllc.com. We do have an easier URL for you. It's called Custody Corner, custodycorner.com. Just go there and you'll um, find the same website. There you'll also find a free 30-minute masterclass that can get you going, really jumpstart where you're at in your case, whether you're at the beginning, the middle, whatever. Um, So you can find a link to that. The other places you can find us is we are active on Facebook. Um, There is a private Facebook group called Custody Empowerment. Custody Empowerment. Um, That's open to both men and women. Um, and you can get in touch with us either way. You can find us on the website, either way we have a women's program, a men's program, and, um, next on a horizon is to build a very robust, um, pro se pro per program for, um, people who just, they can't have a lawyer. They don't have the money for a lawyer, et cetera. Um, that type of thing. 
So That's great. Uh, definitely look for us because even if you just want to get information, our Facebook group is going to be helpful to you, even if it's just in small chunks. That's great. That's great. And everybody, if you um, are listening or you're in the car or you're working out or something and you can't write this down, don't worry about it. Um, it will be in the show notes on uh, the podcast page of my website. So you'll find everything there. Renee, thank you so much for sharing everything that you do uh, with everybody. And I know they're going to find it extremely uh, useful. So thank you again. Thank you for having me, Jason. All right, there you go. Another one in the books, as they say. I hope you enjoyed that. I hope you um, liked what Renee had to say. And at the end of the day, what this really comes down to is, like I'm always saying, form your divorce team of the right objective professionals, and you will get through this process quicker, likely cheaper, um, and with your head on straighter than if you didn't have the right divorce team surrounding you. So um, take it for what it's worth, but I hope you enjoyed it. You can always feel free to contact Renee um, if you have further questions about custody issues, or you can feel free to contact me too. So again, please subscribe to the podcast. If you like what you hear, please leave a kind review on um, iTunes. That would be so greatly appreciated. And of course, if you are looking for help with your divorce and are looking for some divorce coaching, reach out Jason at jasonlavoy.com. And I offer group coaching programs through my Divorce You program and also one-on-one uh, coaching services to deep dive into whatever it is that you are trying to move through. In the meantime, all I'm going to ask you to do is be strong, act confident, and stay positive. I'm Jason Lavoy, a.k.a. The Divorce Resource Guy, and I'll be seeing you real soon.